0: Welcome back to the channel. Now, many of you know, for many years, I was on the faculty at the Oregon Health and Science University, which is in Portland, Oregon. And I always tell people it has two seasons there in Portland, Oregon. You got your three months of the most beautiful summer you've ever experienced in your life. And then you've got nine months where it feels like you're sleeping under the mister in the produce section of the supermarket, and it's just misting you constantly with not a little bit of sunshine, for nine straight months. And that part is a little bit rough, but as many of you know, I would ride my bike to and from work and I think it was something like 16 miles round trip. And I had a waterproof outfit and it didn't bother me that much. But then I moved to San Francisco and we get, you know, 800 more hours of sunshine or something like that per year. And it was like a fog was lifted off my head. But today I went for a long ride to work. And of course, It was raining just like Portland, Oregon, and so it brought back a lot of memories, and that's why my hair is soaking wet, because I was out there for eight miles in the bluster and wind, and um, I don't know how I was so used to it, because now it doesn't feel quite the same. Okay, anyway, we're here to talk about science. This is a video about science, and I think that's what the thumbnail should say. I was actually listening recently, and I heard a couple of people talking about thoughts on science broadly, and I thought to myself, they said a lot of things I really agree with. They said some things I didn't agree with, but they, they didn't say so many of the things I would have wanted to say. And I was like, you know what? You just make your own video about what you think science is and see who's interested. So here we go. What is science? What the hell is it? How should it be structured? What are the goals? What are the motives? And I guess I say this, and I hope that the people I'm talking to have some background knowing what's been going on recently, you know, maybe the last 15 years in science, we've realized that there's a big reproducibility crisis, that a lot of these seminal discoveries that are hailed as game changers are highly promising just turn out, fail to replicate. You can't even recapitulate or replicate the basic finding. And people make up all sorts of excuses like, well, you know, they didn't use exactly the same reagents or whatever. If your finding is so flimsy that it depends on the particular make and model of the, of, of, of the reagent you're using, it's not really an enduring fact about the world, if your science is so flimsy that if you, well, it worked in Harvard undergraduates in a psychology experiment, but not in these kind of people, if it's so flimsy, it only works in some groups, it's not an enduring truth about human nature, is it? So to me, the answer to the reproducibility crisis is it is a crisis. You're claiming you're discovering universal truths about biology or chemistry or biochemistry or psychology or sociology, but they only apply to the fluke laboratory conditions you've tested it in. And if people really knew that, they wouldn't be that interested in it because we're looking for universal truths. Okay, so I hope you have that as background. Also as background, I think those of us who do this for a while, we become quickly jaded as we see that working hard and doing a good job and being accurate are not rewarded and making up a bunch of bullshit and telling tall tales and selling this stuff beyond what the ev- evidence shows is rewarded and i think that's another frustration so with that backdrop you know these two people said are talking about science and i'm going to assume you have that backdrop because i i think i've just given you a cursory overview of the backdrop i also want to say that who is the person maybe more than anybody maybe the top five i don't want to say more than anybody because i think brian did a lot there too Who really put you know the fact that so many published research findings just aren't true on the map and that is John Ioannidis but I also think Brian Nozick and I think many others in the meta research space played an important role but I just want to stress that John played an important role there it's sort of a defining theme of his career and he moved people from well that's not true at all to yeah actually that is probably pretty right and I only say that because on COVID-19 I think he was um, prescient in many ways Um, and sort of mistreated for being so prescient. And I think his core insight was that it's very likely you're gonna do some things that inflict more damage on you and not actually deal with the problem, which I think is what really happened and has been maybe even the majority of individual things tried and ultimately might even be the totality of things done. But we'll save that for another day. Let's talk about science. The thing I was listening to made a great deal of talk about what are the motivations for science. I want to separate that a little bit because there are diverse motivations, and I don't think people do it all for the same reason. So we'll talk about some of the putative motivations. And this was also concerned with what is the right motivation. And to me, that's also not a very useful question because people will have diverse motivations. That's okay. And I don't think we should be ascribing normative values to the motivations insofar as the outcome is good. And I think we should think about structures to take whatever motive you have and and channel the whole system for the broader good. So I think science is a system. It's a system of knowing. And there are goals and outcomes. There are motives. And the key distinguishing feature is the method. So let's talk about that. What is the goal of science? I think there are at least two goals, and maybe there are more. One goal is just to know things. Why is the sky blue? Why does the sun rise there today and there tomorrow on the horizon, there the next day? Why does it move a little bit? Why do the tides come in and out? Why Does the body have hair that starts dark and turns gray? I mean, you can ask a million questions about why the world is the way it is. And one of the goals of science is merely to explicate those things, just so that you have the answer. For no other purpose than you wanted to know. And I think that's an extremely legitimate and often overlooked purpose of science, which is knowledge for the sake of knowledge. And I really believe that that's a virtue. I mean, it's it, it, is, it is knowing for the sake of knowing. I think there is some virtue to that. I mean, it's not a virtue. It's something good. Uh, it's fair. It's reasonable. It's reasonable to do some things just to know because we're curious creatures. The next thing is not, uh, science is an instrument for improving our lives, for making our world quote-unquote better, you know, improving the aims we have. Maybe the aim is we want people to live long uh, lives. We want people not to be hungry, uh, not to, you know, all these things. And science can help on most of these things. We want people to be able to move around very quickly. We want people to be able to talk at a distance and communicate at a distance. Science and the tools of science, technology, can help there. And I think we want to prevent cancer from starting and make you live longer if you were diagnosed with cancer. That's a goal. I think one of the challenges I face is that we put so much pressure on basic scientists to tell me, what, what is it's going to do for me, what's it going to do for me, what's, you know, sometimes it's like, shut up, you, let him do it. Let, he, he wants to know how this little bit of the cell works, let him learn about that without having to bullshit you and tell you some tale about how it's going to someday yield material benefit for you. Maybe he doesn't know, maybe the answer is it won't, maybe the answer is it will in ways he can't tell you because he doesn't know how it works yet. And people don't know what else will be happening over that time. So allow him or her you know allow these people to do some work blue skies open science also sometimes science is about improving our material outcomes we're running that trial that's a scientific study because we want to improve outcomes in frontline dlbcl for instance okay if that's the case then we can get into the brass tacks which is what i like what's the primary endpoint of the study what is the control arm what is the post protocol we can do all that sort of stuff but that's just one of the different goals. And are there other goals to science? I don't know. You tell me. Put it in the comments, actually. I I mean, this is my, you know, preliminary and rudimentary thinking and sort of extemporaneous thinking. I haven't haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this before I had to turn this recorder on. Okay. Now let's talk about, we'll talk about the motive in a second. Let's talk about the defining feature. I think the defining feature, what makes it science and not something else, (laughs) is that the method is something that is all about making falsifiable predictions wherever possible, conducting experiments that can falsify your hypotheses, developing and testing rigorously what you do, and using the fruits of mathematics and statistics and uncertainty to separate noise from real signal, to separate bias from real truth. And so the method, I think, is a method of experimentation, controlled, careful experimentation. Uh, And even if one looks at data that exists, to try to look at it in a way that you are testing a claim or question, asking a mental experiment, perhaps of sorts. Um, I think it's a subset of analytical thinking. People who are good at analytical thinking are often good at science. I think analytical thinking is just one of the types of thinking. There are other types of thinking. I don't claim that analytical is, uh, the quote unquote best. I mean, there are other things that are important ways to think about the world. Analytical thinking is one analytical thinking is heavily rewarded. It's heavily rewarded in science. It's heavily rewarded in the real world. Um, it's heavily re- re- rewarded, I think, in 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 rhetoric, in debate, in politics, to some degree insofar as politics is rational, but among rational people, smart people, it's rewarded. And science is a tool. It is a tool and a method for separating truth from fiction, from real mechanism, from bullshit, that's what it is. Um, and in my line of work, it's often prospective experimentation to know what actually helps the human body. And it's also about understanding the mechanism insofar as the mechanism can help you But it's also about knowing that sometimes you're going to do things without knowing the mechanism, merely because they work. And ultimately, it's about testing things that have a mechanistic plausibility to see if it actually does what you think it does. Okay, so that's the key distinguishing feature of science is the method. Because there are other ways to know about the world. Well, why does the sky blue? You can tell some bullshit story. I mean, I mean also some mythology or something like that. Okay, but this is not that. This is, you know, we want to tell you a story about why the sky is blue that has maybe a half dozen, maybe a hundred, a thousand you know, testable hypotheses, and, and insofar as those hypotheses don't invalidate that story and corroborate that story, um, and, and insofar as experiments do that for those hypotheses, uh, that's that's the best understanding of why it is the greatest. Okay. Modus. Uh, this was talking a lot about what was the right motive for a scientist, and they tossed out several ideas. One is fame. Uh, absolutely, it is the case that many scientists are doing it for the fame that as a child they dreamed of being in the book and that they hope to someday be there. Um, you know, we, I think it's an open empirical question as to whether or not scientists who. Um, do it for the fame, actually do like, I think it would would be easy for me to say, well, if they do it for that, they're more likely to bullshit experiments or something like that. The truth is I don't know that to be true. And you could actually think of clever ways to test that using science, which is the method of this method of knowing. Um, There is the monetary benefit, uh, which for many of us is scant, but for some of us is vast, especially people who develop IP. Um, There is the pleasure of thinking oneself smart. I'm sure that's why many people do it. That's why people do a lot of things. Uh, There's the intrinsic pleasure in actually doing it yourself. Hard to describe, but for me, it's a huge thing. The pleasure of, hey, you know, pull all these studies and put it all together and show me the figure, and then, oh, that's what that was, so that's what it is. Well, that's what it is, interesting, okay. I wouldn't have guessed, or, ah, I knew it, or, uh, oh, I knew this part, but I didn't see this part. You know, there's a pleasure in that. Um, And then some people are doing it because they want to make the world a better place. And uh, this podcast was talking about how that is, you know, or or maybe didn't say explicitly, but implicitly implying that that is the most noble reason to do science. Again, I'm not sure, you know, I really don't know. I, I don't see anything wrong with the fact that in a society of billions of people, some people just want to understand, you know, why does this cell misbehave in the body, you know? A wise cancer form, you know, like or or even something more rudimentary as to, you know, why do the bubbles in this milk tea move the way they do in the liquid and not in a different way? You know, something very simple like that. I think it's there's reasonable to have some people in a society looking into that question just for the sake of knowing. Okay, so what are my additional thoughts on this? I think the reason it's such a frustrating topic to many is that. There's so much bad work, there's so much bad work coming out. I mean, here I'm going to think more about my field. Why do I think oncology is just a disaster? Um, there's a lot of people who are focusing on diversity and equity, which I think is super important. But what are they doing with their time? They're doing papers that literally tell me what 1,000 papers in the field have told me for 20 years. These disparities exist, and this is the pattern in which they fall, and surprise, surprise. And they tend to follow along socioeconomic lines and racial lines, and they tend to speak to deeper structural failures in society. And yet their research, as far as I can see, is not advancing the puck. And mostly what I'm seeing is recapitulating things that people already believe, And doing it in a way that they're very unlikely to change the mind of somebody who didn't already believe it and very likely to fuel the belief of somebody already does. And so I ask myself, what are they they doing here? And of course, I'm on some text chains where people are cynical about this entire branch. They're like, well, they're doing it for their career. And I think that's a natural conclusion that people may come to if they view what you're doing as not advancing the cause in any meaningful way and literally recapitulating what has already been told. What is different about this? What's unique about this? And yet, of course... It's politically correct to do this work. It generates likes and retweets and that sort of stuff. And so, so, okay, so that's one bucket, okay. Then there's this bucket of, um, you know, we wanna study something, uh, but we're gonna do it without controls. We're gonna do it retrospectively with selection bias. So we're gonna do it, you know, in just this really shitty way where you're like, God damn, did you pay attention in school? Like, and then they put it, well, we'll just acknowledge these as limitations. Like this is a limit, this is a limit, this is a limit. Yeah, sometimes you acknowledge limits and it doesn't matter what the limit is, for instance, in a forthcoming paper, we're going to go through the statements of an organization, some of the statements, and identify gross factual errors, like things that just could not be true factually. Now, the limit is we didn't go through everything this organization said. We just went through some of the things they said. So that limit is real. But everything we're saying is a falsehood is like, ain't nobody going to be able to argue the way around this. This is a numerical falsehood. It's wrong. And so our limit is, well, we didn't get all the things that are wrong, but our strength is the things that we got that are wrong are actually wrong. So there's at least this many things wrong. So our conclusion is ironclad, which is there at least this many things wrong. Are there more things wrong? Sure. But should there have been this many things wrong? And should look at these things. Is this pretty bad? Look what's wrong? Look what they're wrong about. Okay. And so that's a fact where there's a limitation, but the limitation does not subvert the central conclusion of the paper. But that's not the case for most of science. Most of what you read is like the limitation is like, well, Yeah, and it's such a big limit that, like, you can't conclude shit. You literally cannot conclude anything. You didn't survey all the people. You didn't ask the right questions. You didn't follow the right endpoints. You didn't have the right control arm. It is so bad. You literally can't conclude anything. And yet you did it anyway. And you spent all your time and you wrote it up, but you can't conclude nothing. And they're like, well, you know, it's just hypothesis generating. No, it's not, because you had the hypothesis before you did the thing. If there's a meter of your pretest probability of some belief, you running the study, the meter is at the exact same spot. It didn't go up because the methods are so poor. It didn't change one iota. And then I think I'm on a lot of text change where people say, look at this person doing this stupid research. It's really stupid, this is bullshit research. And then of course they speculate. Oh, they're just doing it for the clicks or the fame or the likes or the pleasure, blah, 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 blah. blah. You know, I don't even know if that's true or not. Or they're doing it because they're ignorant. I mean, we have to assume never ascribe to malice, that which can be ascribed to stupidity. I mean, you have to say again. Okay, so that's the next class, okay. Then there's the ones that I think are really problematic, the, the branch of science where we're gonna use science to get products to the US market and get people to pay for it. And we got this thing called healthcare. And what we do in this healthcare system is like, we decided like as a society, you know, we just can't have every individual paying for their own care because that's like wrong because there could be somebody who didn't have a lot of money, but they shouldn't be denied sort of basic health services that we think really do improve outcomes. So we're all gonna get into this together and we're all gonna say, we're all gonna put in some money. Maybe people have more money will put in more money. People have less money will put in less money. We're all gonna put in some money into this pot And we're going to sort of protect ourselves against maladies that you know through the random luck of life befall some people not other people and we're going to pay for treatments for that and that's like broadly the idea of health insurance and medicare and even private insurance and all these things and because those treatments are individually almost unaffordable but if we all pitch in and knowing it'll happen at random not knowing who will be there you know it makes sense um sure okay this is the whole branch uh but then of course there's an incentive which is that the more you can get people to believe your thing is helping people the more you can make money, and in my line of work, this is a huge chunk of it. In fact, it's like the majority of what I see and think about because it's just so always in your face. So many industry trials, so much, and the reason so many people become disillusioned with science is you're like, who who designed this study? Oh, the company. You, the company that that if it's positive, they're going to make ten billion, and if it's negative, they're going to lose forty million, the cost of the study. Yeah, they're the ones they designed like you mean the drug you mean no they designed the whole trial you you mean they picked the patients that'll be enrolled oh yeah of course and they decided how to randomize oh yeah of course and then they picked the endpoint yeah that too and uh they picked the control arm yep and the post-protocol care yep and they picked what countries you'd run it in yep and uh well at least the investigators who are enrolling on the trial are like totally independent oh no no, actually some of them are uh, well most of them or nearly all of them are getting money from the company to run the study of which there may be spillover money that they're gonna put in their little bucket for the rainy day and they're gonna like that, some of which are also getting money for consulting and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Okay, um, but at least the person who reviews this file is independent. Oh yeah, well, at the present moment. Present moment, what do you mean? Oh, well, when they finish their term at the FDA, they're more than likely going to go to work at the industry. We proved that, Jeff Bien and I and the BMJ. So that's the system we've got. And then you get somebody who comes along who says, hey, let me show you what's wrong with this study. Oh, you change your statistical plan. You added in crossover and then it makes sense. You change your primary endpoint to the shitty one. You saw your primary endpoint was going well and you added a shit, you added another one, didn't you? Xanabrutinib, uh, uh, what is it, Alpine or Aspen? It's one of those mountainous in the winter kind of t- names. I know there's somebody out there who's gonna come and criticize me saying, you forget again. And I was like, I know, I forget, I forget. It's one of those mountains. Oh, and then the mere fact they're using the name Alpine or Aspen or whatever the hell it is, is because there's some evidence, albeit not the strongest, but some evidence that you just, it's more likely to be cited and, and remembered if you pick some name rather than study 6422142, CLGB 50303, 30301, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, back to what I'm saying. Uh-oh. So they see this system. The investigators are taking money hand over fist from the companies. The universities are making money off this process. Nobody is asking like basic questions you get a drug that improves PFS 1.4 months, no OS benefit. It costs like 12 grand a month. It has all these tons of toxicities. People said it was a game changer. It's the first drug to target RAS. And it's so shitty and the study is so shitty. And yet we're all like, yeah, celebration. And like giving awards to the person who's like basic science underpinned it. I mean, you know, it gets on and on. And you're like, if you really didn't know much about the field, you'd be super jaded. I think this podcast starts to explore that. You also see over and over again. um, Anyway, I'll I'll put that aside. What's the problem? The problem is that the system, I mean, what's the problem? The problem is not the method. I mean, the problem isn't that we don't know what are the right ways to answer the questions. We do know the right ways, and often the ways are very primitive. Like there are like so many comp, like, you know, somebody's like, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to test if like, uh, if the MRD is negative before I take them to aloe, uh, should I condition them with melphalan or should I, uh, you know, you condition them with uh, with myeloblative or not? Hmm, how do I do this? Why don't I just take all the CIBMPR samples and, and thaw out that blood and sequence it. This is a JAMA paper. And then I'm going to look at the outcomes. And I'll covariate, adjust it. And then I'll do a multivariable analysis and blah, blah, blah. You don't need do any of that bullshit. It's very simple what the answer is, isn't it? You need to go to people who are about to have it done and just randomize the next 400 to we're going to do this. And we're going to make this is what we're going to do differently if it's positive and this we're going to do different if it's negative, or we're not even going to test and we're just gonna let the doctor decide. Let's see if we have survival benefit. So in many cases we know, but the barriers to randomization are many. One, they say cost too much. That's mostly because they've inserted bullshit rules. It actually doesn't cost that much to flip a coin, actually. Turns out the actual cost of randomization is low. And in fact, many people have gotten it done very, very cheap. Two, there's a psychological barrier. Well, that's only because people don't un- really understand what it really means to have uncertainty. They think they know the answer, even though they don't know the answer. And they don't know history enough to know that a lot of smart people came before you who thought they knew some answer and they were wrong, too. Um, I think there's some psychological aversion to randomization. There's some for me. It's like kind of odd that the ancient Greeks and Egyptians never thought of it, and also odd that we thought of it a hundred years ago and we still haven't fully embraced it. Um, you know. So okay. So sometimes we know the answer. The method I think is sound, but the system has flawed incentives. The system has flaws. Incentive, and if you really wanted to study, fix the scientific incentives using the full power of science itself. What you would do is you would run controlled studies where you'd say, hey, we're going to give out all these grants, but we're going to randomize you to different ways to give it. One way we're going to give it is we're just going to give it the way we're doing it, which is incredibly time-consuming and getting all these study section leaders who may themselves be doing mediocre and uh, repetitive work uh, to judge these things, and we're going to put scores on it and have percentile cutoffs, and we're all going to waste our Sunday afternoon looking at these things, and we're all going to act so self-important, blah, 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 you could do that bullshit way. Okay, or... You have a randomized arm where you're like, look, somebody's going to go through these and be like anything that's like not written, anything that doesn't have, that's not written crayon on a napkin. If it has like written by like somebody at a real university and they look like they once got some degree and like basic cutoff or like, you know, this is like, you know, written in like comprehensible language, like I have a vague idea what they want to do. You're in the pot, and then we're just going to have a modified lottery. We're going to randomly give it out. We're going to save all that admin time. And then you have these two pots. You've given it out in two different ways. You follow people five years out, and you check all the metrics of like, you know, how much citations did it get? How happy are the investigators? And then maybe you'll think of some new ways, like how do you gauge real discoveries? And there are people who are trying to innovate in this space. For instance, they're looking at like how often do patents come out that uh, that once they come out, they get the cites, and they don't get the cites to the things they cite, you know, this kind of stuff. I think these are imperfect, sure all the metrics are imperfect but if you're not even engaged in the process of running the experiment you're not committed to really bettering scientific funding using science that's an irony you believe so much in science but you refuse to use it in giving money out to science what the fuck are you doing you know what the fuck are you doing you have to think and the reason is of course that science is also a societal thing. It's also sociology. It's also a system of power and prestige and hierarchy and a primate engaging in some other system like that. And and I think that's where people become really, really jaded. And the solution isn't fixing the method. The method is sound. The solution is fixing the system so that you take people with diverse motives and you have a system that's always self-improving. How we give out grants can be self-improving. How we do the science can be self-improving. Randomization is, is a great virtue, but you can do a randomized show better than a poorer one. You can do more, you can do like a recovery and have a huge sample size, have interaction coefficients, pre-specified subgroups. It's like crushing it. You're doing such a good job. And in the future, they're gonna do it even better. I, can, I, I mean, perhaps I can't even think of the way they do it better. If I could, I'd write a paper on it because gotta get those sites. No, i just kidding. Cause, but I mean, because we're incentivized by the metric. Um, is it bad that some people want to make a lot of money? I'm not one of them. I, I really am not like in the sense that I don't have a lot of strong material desires and it's not what makes me tick. And if I took my acumen and really applied it to something in which money could be made, I suspect I could make some much more money than what I'm doing. This is what they said on the, the podcast that I really liked. They said, quote, the only thing good, the only thing good about the academy It's not that you do research because actually you can do research at companies too. The only thing good is that you come into work on a Monday and you just have such a random idea, has nothing to do with what you're working on. Totally tangential. You can stop what you're doing and spend a couple months doing on that, working on a random idea. And that is a huge luxury because I view it as you will never, uh, you know, you're always, good. I mean, I doubt I'll even be able to spend all the money I've already made because I don't have many fancy tastes or interests, but, except for beer, but you know, good beer is cheap, and wine, but even good wine, you can find some good bottles at a reasonable price. Okay, you can't, you know, that's not the way, but your time is so limited, and I do not want to spend my time thinking about what somebody else wants me to think about. I want to spend my time thinking about what I like to think about and For instance, I pivoted a lot into COVID and we had so many papers coming and, uh, I mean, why did I do that? One, uh, you know, if the goal of science is to make the world a better place, then yeah, I thought there were misalignments and our policy was like deranged. Two, uh, if the goal of science is like to know things for the sake of knowing, yeah, I really kind of do want to know, hey, you know, you're making me do this booster. Like, is it actually like necessary for me? I've gotten three doses and I had COVID recently Uh, and I'm healthy and uh, there's a new vaccine. There's a new uh, strain strain out there. So is it really necessary? Like, I'm curious. So I want to know that. And I also want to say like, oh, when now you're forcing these colleges kids to do it, is that like, like good for them? Mm, or are you doing that because you have your head up your ass? Uh, you know, which one is it? Okay, uh, so, you know, and the fact you can pivot is such a luxury, it's the greatest thing. Uh, that's why the academy I think is, it's the only saving grace of the academy. That and no matter how much they try to ruin it and believe you me they are, there will always be a few people who are actually smart. Just a few, it may not be everybody. It may only be four people, but they're always going to be, maybe in a thousand, there will always be at least four, maybe more, could be a lot more, but at least four who are actually super clever. And of that four, there's at least two who will one day say something to you that you have not ever even thought of, and you'll be very grateful to hear it because it will be really cool. Okay, it may not happen a lot, but that is a real great day, okay? It does happen. Oh! at the time i got to get going i got to get going i got things to do so overall thoughts these are some thoughts about science i think i mean the people who are jaded are totally right it's totally falling into the wayside um i think you know like i tell myself like of all the papers i've ever done i've only sort of regretted doing three and there's only one that i would ever kind of want to remove my name on i think that's a pretty good batting average because i really get that get out of things i don't want to do and don't think are really good, I try to tactfully say, Well, maybe I didn't shouldn't be an author on this, you know, how you try to get out of it. Um, but I think that every day I read and I just read total garbage, like so much garbage, and it's not the best we can do and it and even somebody in the nineteen seventies would be able to point out all the flaws and I think that is frustrating. And then you see all the people who are rewarded and the concentration of m- money and prestige go to people who often say things totally wrong. Uh, there's one guy I really like, Willie Jalad. Everyone knows I like him. I like him because he's so rigorous. And like when he puts a citation in his paper, god damn it, that citation is accurate. And that's what that paper says. I had a researcher once, I was just reading the paper, and I was like, oh, wow, it's crazy, citation seven. I pulled seven, it had nothing to do with what the crazy shit that was they said. And then I read the paper more, and I was like, this, this, this citations, I was like, oh, my God, these must be awesome, because look at these claims, and it was like all bad. And then I was like, oh, boy, this person is really fabricating a lot of that. And similarly, when it comes to COVID policy, there are a lot of people who put forward, um, who put forward, interpretations of popular studies that is just totally erroneous and i think that's a big problem it's a big problem and if they also have big titles i think it can lead to big misunderstandings all right so you're right to be jaded but i think we got to figure out how to make the structure such that the structure is resilient to diverse motives the structure is resilient to people cheating at the method the structure is resilient to different goals and the structure acknowledges that there's at least two different goals and maybe more And if there are more put them in the comments all right if you like this video, you know what to do: like, subscribe, comment, leave a message. Until next time.